are now listening to another leadership podcast by C3 Church San Diego. For more information about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. You know, got to, but he did something better. When, when the master came back for an account, he gave the master something better than he had received. But the guy with one talent came and he gave the master he gave him back exactly what was given to him it was no better it may not have been any worse which is all right for a rental car but when you when you hire a car from you know europe car or avis or alamo or whoever you hire your car through budget uh when you hire a car, they're just saying, they do a little walk around, you've got to sign a little thing, there's a little dent there, a little scratch here, and, and uh, you know, hey, we're giving it to you on a full tank of gas, can you sign here, it's a full tank of gas. When you return it, we expect you to return it as you received it. And so a lot of people have a rental car mentality when it comes to the kingdom. They have a rental car mentality when it comes to, to their job. And listen, in the workplace, in the secular workplace, because the secular workplace is dominated by a different spirit to the Holy Spirit. And so in the secular workplace, it, you know, the, quite often the bosses say, hey, well, if we don't lose anything, whew, that's good enough. You know, you can keep your job just the fact that you didn't lose anything. But, but Jesus says, that's not how it works in the kingdom. In the kingdom, if I, if I give you something, you need to understand that, that when God gives us anything, it, it, even though God has given it to us, it still belongs to Him. It still belongs to Him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when God gives us something, really what He's doing, He's entrusting us with something. And if He's entrusting, you need to understand with every test, there's a trust. And with every trust, there's a test. And so God is testing you. And so, so the kingdom, my job as, as the, the pastor and the leader of this church is to provide opportunity. Because that's what God does. God gives one guy five talents. He gives him a five-talent opportunity. He gives another guy a two-talent opportunity. And he gives another guy a one-talent opportunity based on their skill sets, based on their ability, based on their experience. He doesn't give the guy with one five talents because the guy hasn't proven himself to be able to handle five talents. So he thought, well, I'm still going to give you a shot. I'm going to give you one talent. One talent's about a year's wages. I'm going to give you a year's wages and see what you can do with it. And tragically, the guy doesn't do anything with it after after the bible says after a long time so it could have been years we don't know how long after a long time the master comes back and the guy's just buried it and he just gives the master back how it was when he got it can, can i just tell you that uh, with our internship program we are we are continually raising up leaders raising up people who have a passion and a zeal for God to be used by God and and you know you you may be in a in a job where you, you're just kind of well you know it's no worse that's how I got it but but I got to tell you that the kingdom is actually about increase and this may not be kind of popular but but you 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 could be under pressure if there's somebody who would take what you're doing and take that salary and actually take that position and actually make it better that's an awfully quiet amen right there. There's a nervous amen right there. Wow, hang on. I don't know if I want to amen that. And, uh, 
But the kingdom is about betterment. Things should be better because it's in your hands. Things should be better. You should be looking for ways to increase. You should be ways looking for ways to improve. You should be looking for ways to, to um, be more fruitful. You should be looking for, for ways that you can make things better under your leadership. In fact, God said to, to Adam, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, I've given you a garden, Adam. Adam, and how many people know that God knows every tree in the garden? Because he, he knows every tree. He says, that one you can't eat from. That one there is the tree of life. That's the tree of the knowledge. Of God. So he knew all the trees. But God gave him the garden to Adam, and he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, when I come back, I actually want, want you to say, oh, man, you've got to check this out. I planted these over here, and I've got a little orchard growing over there. And then I really like daffodils. I love daffodils. So I've got a whole little daffodil thing happening here. Oh, Beauty bonza, mate, if God was Australian. So, so, so Adam's job, Adam's job was to increase. Adam's job was to make better what God had given him. That's called betterment. And so I believe that the first, the first sign of a big leader is whatever's given to you has, has grown. Whatever's given to you is great. It's amazing how many people. Now listen, uh, this guy, the parable in the parable of the talent, made excuses. And quite often I've found that when we make excuses, we make very little else. Because an excuse is an abdication of responsibility. When I, whenever I make an excuse, I'm abdicating myself as being responsible. As soon as I abdicate responsibility, I lose authority. When I lose authority, I could no longer exercise dominion over that area. And if I can't exercise dominion over that area, that area cannot increase and flourish. So therefore, excuse making is off the table. I can't make excuses. Do, 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 can you follow that? When, when I make excuses, I abdicate responsibility. When I abdicate responsibility, I lose authority. Because authority and responsibility go hand in hand. Authority and responsibility go hand in hand. If you have authority, it's because you're in responsibility for you're responsible for something. And if if I lose if I lose authority, then how do I exercise dominion? And so so God says to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. Everything under your leadership should flourish. It should be getting better it should be getting bigger you should be praying you should be planning you should be increasing you should be believing you should be stepping out you should be having a go you should be risk-taking poor old jesse you ought to be knocking on his door saying i've got this venture and this idea no you shouldn't anyway you should come up with problem solving not problem creating ideas all right that's the first one b for betterment i is influence leadership Big leaders are better people who are committed to betterment, but they're also committed to influence. They understand influence. In Joshua 1, 6 to 8, God says to Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and be very courageous, for you shall divide to these people an inheritance. Now, if, if, for God to say it once, that should be good enough for us. For God to say it twice, we need to kind of, you know, underscore it and, you know, take note. For God to say something three times, we need to kind of get that thing locked into our, into our brain. So for God to say, be strong and courageous, he's saying that the requirement of leadership is strength and courage. Strength and courage. The reason that that is, is because you as the leader are the influencer. You're the influencer. You, you can't be full of fear. 
You can't be full of hopelessness. You can't be full of pessimism. Oh, I don't know if September 9 is the time that we ought to be stepping out. I really hope Pastor knows what he's doing starting down south on September. And I just don't think our teams are ready. I don't think our structures are ready. And I just, you, you, if, if you're that voice, because remember, God's speaking to Joshua and he's basically, Joshua is this guy, but God's reaffirming because just a season earlier, Joshua's with 11 other guys. Caleb's the other good guy, but the other 10 knuckleheads, they're negative. We are not able to take the land. Yes, it was a land flowing with milk and honey, but you don't understand. Its cities are fortified. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak in that land. We were like grasshoppers in our sight. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. We are not able to overcome it. And they brought a negative report. And the Bible says that these 10 spies caused the entire heart of the people to melt and to shrink back. So they spoke of stoning uh, Joshua, spoke of stoning Caleb and of turning around and going back to Egypt, all because 10, and so God allowed that entire generation to perish in the wilderness because he says, I will not have that in leaders. As a leader, your language must be different. As a language, as a leader, your disposition must be different because leadership is influence. Your language, the way you carry yourself, your position must be faith. It must be courage. It must be strength. It must be valor. Well, what if I don't possess that? Then you need to go to the Word of God and you need to dig and you need to swim and you need to drink until you get that in your spirit. God says, I am for you, not against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so your language, we don't speak out of fear. We don't speak out of emotions. You know, what they were saying is, hey, the biggest thing in our sight is the giants. Man, well then, when tell me when you lost God. Tell me when, 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 when your giant is the biggest thing. When did you take your eyes off Jesus? The Bible says fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, He's the beginner, He's the commensurate, and He's the, the, the final solution. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's hemmed me in. He began this journey with me, and He's going to finish this journey with me. He's walking with me through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, because Thou art with me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, what? why would I... Why would I take my eyes off? But it's so easy. So we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And your job as a leader is to have your eyes on Jesus. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. If you're living in the impossible, maybe you, you, you're not with God. And you've got to get back with God again because with God, all things are possible. And your job is to put courage into the hearts of the people who are following you. Your job is to put strength into the hearts of the people. And so that's got to come out of your language. That's got to come out of your spirit. And that's got to be your position. That's got to be your disposition. Somebody say, Amen. The reason this is important is, uh, is because as a, as, as a leader, I find that I have to develop and possess both of these qualities. It's called modeling. It's called modeling. Because whether I like it or not, I've got, I've got leaders who are looking to me. And so uh, all of us will face giants. All of us will face negativity. All of us will face adversity. All of us will face setbacks and disappointments. All of us. None of us are exempt from those things. But in the midst of those things, it's, our, it's, it's what we develop. It's what we have on the inside of us. I found it's less to do with what's happening on the outside than it is what's happening on the inside. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in you 
doesn't say greater is he that is for you even though that's true greater is he that is around you the lord surrounds his people but it says greater is he that is in you so so there's a god on the inside and so i find that 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 i have to develop and i have to possess those i have to develop and possess those so david when he came back from you know a raid came back and they had burnt ziklag to the ground they'd stolen his wives and his children his men's wives and their children were gone as well and all the people lifted up their voices and wept and the men spoke of stoning david but david put on a linen ephod and went and inquired of the lord and the bible says this and david strengthened himself in the lord the, the word strengthen in the hebrew literally means encouraged himself in the lord how did he encourage himself in the lord he would have gone back to the prophecies he would have gone back to the word he would have gone back and reminded himself of of the day that samuel took the horn of oil and anointed his hair that he was called to to, to be the king of israel he would have reminded himself that the same god who delivered him from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear helped him to slay goliath the giant and that this is just another opportunity for God to come through. His life had been fraught with disappointment and opportunity. I have to not only model, but I have to impart to my leaders. I have to impart to you. I have to impart courage. I have to impart strength. I have to impart faith on into you. Why? So the Bible says that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. We must through much, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. In other words, there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be cutbacks. There's going to be moments where you're facing a giant, where you're facing a Goliath. You don't need fear. You don't need to know the, the weight of his spear. You don't need to know the, the, the metallic substance they used to form the helmet on his head. And he wore a bronze helmet on his head and the coat of mail wore, you know, who, who, on, why are you transfixed with what he's wearing on his head, the, and the weight of his was like that of a weaver's beam. Who gives a rip about weaver's beams? David comes out, he doesn't care about any of those things. He says, this day you defy the armies of the living God. You come against me with your sword and your spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And this day I'm going to take your head. He had a different focus. He had a different focus. He was the only one courageous because he was the only one looking to God. Everyone else was looking to describe their problem, to describe their situation. As leaders, you need to understand we influence. And the way that we influence is with our words and with our actions. And so a prerequisite is strength and courage. God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, if you're going to cross this Jordan, river if you're going to go where your predecessors have never gone before if you're going to divide this inheritance if you're going to take the promise that i've given the children of israel and bring it to pass if you're going to fulfill this prophecy you got to be strong and courageous so he, here's here's the deal you know god gave gave us a word of a you know of a church uh in san diego and, and I know, and I don't kind of share a whole lot of stuff that God spoke to me because it's personal. But I know this, that if I'm fearful, it's not coming to pass. If I look at the circumstance and let the circumstance, it's not coming to pass. If I look at my resources, if I look at, you know, it's not coming to pass. So I can't look at any of those things. So when we came here, you know, Pastor Andy, Leanne, three boys, that was it. That was it. Who's going to come? How's anybody going to come? But I knew I couldn't look at what I didn't have. I couldn't look at even what was in my hand. I had to look to, to God. And I had to understand that if God was calling it, then just because I don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. 
I guarantee you, Abraham did not see the ram until he pulled out the knife to sacrifice his son and the word of the Lord came, stop, stop. Then all of a sudden he noticed the, the ram was probably up there the whole time. He just didn't notice it until, until that particular moment. And you'll find there are things that you don't see that God has already provided, but he's just waiting. Can you act in obedience? Can you, can you step out in faith? That's what God is looking for. The last one, oh, I'm probably over time, am I? Oh, yes, got five minutes. All right, the last one is G for growth. G is growth. So betterment, influence, and growth. In Matthew 9, verse 16, Jesus says, No one takes a piece of unshrunk cloth and attaches it to the cloth, lest when the thing goes through the wash cycle, it shrinks and creates a tear. Likewise, you don't put new wine into old wineskins, you know, lest the wineskins burst and the wine is ruined. And so... So Jesus is saying you put old wine in old wineskins and new wine in new wineskins. And then he gives this illustration about the cloth. And basically what Jesus is saying is, is that you need to understand that the kingdom is never static. The kingdom of God is never static. It is always dynamic. And, and you need to be a, a self-feeder. You need to be continually growing. I love that John gets up here this morning and quotes Smith Wigglesworth. I love that because it tells me that he's reading Smith Wigglesworth. You know, if he doesn't read Smith Wigglesworth, then that, that, that kind of unction on the inside of him that God put in there to, to be used in healing, to be used in miracles, to see the supernatural and the miraculous is just going to lie dormant. But the fact that he reads Smith Wigglesworth, sees a guy who operated in, in that dimension, means that he's feeding that, means he's developing that. And so we've all got to be on, on a growth track. The kingdom, the kingdom of God is about growth. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is smaller than all the seeds, but when it is planted, it grows and it becomes larger than all the herbs. So it becomes a tree and shoots its branches into the air. And so the kingdom is about growth. And so we've got to constantly be growing. You know, there's probably not a week that goes by where uh, I'm not trying to reassess how I preached, how I communicated, how I, you know, led the meeting, how I dress, how I act, how I lead, where I'm not doing a self-evaluation thinking, okay, what areas can I improve in? Now, I could rest back and say, well, you know, we're doing pretty good. When I look around, hey, let's just camp here. But I refuse to camp here because I know that what's at stake is souls. What's at stake is a destiny. What's at stake is a purpose. I don't want to stand before God and God say, Jurgs, you did great. You landed here. But Jurgs, if you would have, I had here. You know, one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible for me is when God said to David, the Bible says, and the Lord gave King David rest from all the nations around about him. So he handed the kingdom over to his son, Solomon, the kingdom of Israel, handed over to, to Solomon uh, in peace. So Solomon inherits a kingdom in peace because God had given David rest from all the nations around about him. But then the Lord said to David, just on his deathbed, he says, but David, if you would have asked me, I would have given you the nations as an inheritance. David was, was, was just kind of satisfied and just settled for just Israel. And God says, man, if that were a small thing, if you would have asked me, I would have given you the nations. In other words, you settled for here, but I had this for you. Therefore, I'm on a, I'm on a constant, vigilant pursuing of growth of growth, of growing, 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 continually be growing. And probably the best way that I can describe it is like Christianity to me is like going up an escalator the wrong way. I've got three 
magnificent boys who think that the coolest thing to do in the mall is to run up the escalator the wrong way and see if they can get up there. They're ducking in and out of people and I'm all embarrassed and I'm apologizing to people at the bottom as they come off and Leanne's yelling, boys, it's the wrong way. Oh my gosh, I'm going to kill them. This is your fault. This is your genes in them. And because uh, if, if they do anything bad, it's my genetics. And when they triumph, it's Leanne's wonderful genetics, and that's just a fact. That's just a Wikipedia fact. You can look it up on Wikipedia. And, but they'll, they'll go up the wrong way. Now, now, here's the deal. If you go up an escalator the wrong way and you stand still, what happens? You're going backwards. So I found that's what Christianity is like. Because we live in a world that's moving away from God, I can't just stand still. I can't just not read my Bible. I can't just not pray. I can't just not worship and think that I maintain where I was because, because there's a flow. And the flow of the world is away from God, not towards God. And so whether you realize it or not, you're, you're moving backwards just by the fact that you are inactive, that you are passive, that you're indifferent, that you're doing nothing. We've got to be pushing in. We've got to be pressing. That's why the Apostle Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind, I press forward. Why would you need to press? Because there's an opposing force. There's a, there's a current that is coming against you to try and make you stagnant, to try and get you to bog down into mediocrity you know um I, I was thinking of virgin airlines um sir richard branson is the founder obviously of virgin airlines and probably going back 10 to 20 years ago they they spearheaded they were he just reinvented the experience of flying but over the last three or four years um you know i've talked to people oh man i, I don't fly virgin but you know i've flown them a few times and I'm like oh virgin's the best virgin's the best and now you know people who live in england go no not really no it's all gone downhill hasn't it no it used to be not anymore customer service you know food was lousy seats and and so what happened is something that was once excellence once so excellent has now declined into mediocrity and the biggest battle that you and i continually face is, is, the, is the push towards mediocrity because mediocrity requires zero effort. You know, just to, to go against the flow, walking up that escalator the wrong way requires effort. Oh man, I'm just going to take a breather. I'm just going to take a break. And before you know it, you're, you're, you're going backwards. You know, mediocrity is just effortlessness, not putting effort in, whereas excellence is about effort. Excellence, and you know, I look at Jose and Pablo and Co. and the team last night. The 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 the, the sound and the um, you know the screens were excellent, despite you know, like it was a it was a, a movie theater that they had only a few hours to transform into a church setting. But I thought they did an excellent job. I walked in and there was a words on the screen. The screen was big. You know, there was lights and everything. Excellent. What is excellence? Excellence is always effort. And that effort comes out of the fact that we have a, uh, a big spirit. We have a big mentality. We're, we're into betterment. We're into influence, but we're into growth. Something's going to get better under my tutelage. Something's going to get better under my leadership. You know, if you've put me in authority over something, that thing is going to flourish. If you put me authority over an area, that thing's going to increase. If you put me in authority over some area, you, you watch how fruitful that area becomes. And because uh, promotion doesn't come from me. The Bible says promotion does not come from the east or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. And uh, what, we, what, what, what I try to do is I just try and follow God. God never gives people titles. God gives people opportunities. And then He calls them what they are. 
God doesn't give people titles. He gives them opportunities. And then based on how they perform in that opportunity, God then just calls them what they're already doing. So that's all I got to say about that. So let's be big leaders. Amen. Thanks for joining us in another leadership podcast by C3 Church San Diego. For more information about our church, go to c3sandiego.com.